0: Welcome to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel, powered by InsideTexas.com. We got a great live stream for y'all tonight. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel so we can keep it coming right at you with all different great Texas Longhorns content. We got five of us. We got Drew Bro, Kelson. Are you hearing
1: that feedback, buddy?
0: I'm, I'm not getting any right now. Um, but we got Drew Kelson, got Justin Wells, Eric Nalene, and Paul Wadlington. All joining us tonight. A lot of different news to get to. Of course, we have Nick Saban, the goat, retiring. Seven national titles, uh, six at Alabama, one at LSU. Got coaching news on Texas front with LSU hiring hiring Bo Davis. We got some tidbits on what's next for the defensive line. Of course, I know y'all got some questions uh, about uh, the the uh, Ryan Williams who uh, obviously decommitted tonight uh from the crimson tide so guys uh where do y'all want to start of course we got to start with nick saban retiring and uh eric you spoke a little bit uh on inside texas earlier today about maybe some of the effects of of nick saban retirement on texas and you didn't seem to think like there'd be any great ones but there's going to have some effect of course
1: yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about him leaving. Uh, I think a, a lot of people aren't really uh, – the national people don't seem to be playing it up as nearly as much as I anticipated them in the immediate aftermath. Uh, I thought we'd hear a lot more noise. But yeah. as we've been talking about, um, he's extremely he's extremely happy at, at Texas. He's grateful for the opportunity. Texas took uh, what many considered was a chance on him, uh, and I think he's looking to reward that. Now, this is probably up the price of poker. Um, he's got Jimmy Sexton as his uh, agent. Um, you, to, you know, they're going to, they're going to use that to that opening to their advantage if they can. But uh, I don't anticipate he's going to leave. Uh, but I'll, I'm curious to see how it all shakes out with uh, with that coaching search. I'm glad we're not having to cover it.
0: Amen. Yeah, the uh, coaching search is always, hey, Bama hadn't had to do one like this in what, 15 years. So uh, good luck to, to those guys. And especially in, a, in an instance where you're replacing the best coach in the sport. And One of the reasons, Justin, he was the best coach in the sports because he recruited his butt off every single day of the year. Probably no – I can't think of a more tireless recruiter than someone like Nick Saban. Uh, But as a result, he doesn't have – one of his top targets in 2024 now doesn't have a tireless recruiter after him. As a result, he has decommitted tonight. That's Ryan Williams. Uh, what's the latest you have on Ryan Williams, uh, who is KJ Lacey's teammate, a 2025 commit uh, from Sarah Land, Alabama? Well, you can, you can be thankful with Nick Saban
2: because he's pushed this standard with recruiting unimaginable. This guy, if you played one of the tweets I saw earlier, Lucas Benziga, Nick Saban's time at Alabama will end with every single player that played four years winning at least one national title while they were there, over 17 years. That's why he's the goat, and that's why he can recruit with anybody, and that's why I've been trying to get him out of East Texas for the last four years because he he likes these guys around here. Ryan Williams is the name, guys. That's the big guy. That's that's your that's your uh, guy that can come in like an Xavier Worthy type. He is exciting. I know people got to watch him in the Under Armour game. He is electric. The dude is fantastic. Uh, and like you said, he reclassified. This kid's 16 years old. He's back. he's gonna start school real soon. I think it's down to Texas and Auburn. I think Auburn's still going to be kind of the prohibitive favorite. I know that most mm. of the predictions are at Auburn right now, but Texas has shown a way to play the long game. And you get them on campus, Texas makes an impression. And I think, I think Steve Sarkeesian and, and Chris Jackson are excited today because, one, they're not going to have to play Nick Saban when they're in the SEC anymore, but also because Ryan Williams is going to be on campus January 27th with the aforementioned recruiting quarter, uh, quarterback for 2025, K.J. Lacey. It's big. I'm not going to look. Texas is going to throw everything at him, and they should. That is an automatic take numbers buster every single time. There is not one guy in the portal, in my opinion, that will have the production Ryan Williams will over his career in college. Now, how big is Auburn going to be? They're getting that last visit. a and actually getting a new visit. They're, he's going to go see College Station this weekend, and I'm I'm not sure where that how how that one's going to handle. But I I think it's going to come down to Auburn and Texas. I think Auburn was actually getting a lot of momentum before this happened, before Saban retired. And so at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Auburn and Texas. Don't sleep on Sark, though. You know, you get him on campus. You get that official visit. You get wine and dine. Sark plays the long game. He doesn't pressure you. Put on some tape of Adnan Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and just smile.
0: We got a good super chat from from Justin Yarbo. Kind of goes uh, a, a little bit into some of the other topics that we're going to get to. But we got the two right guys to, to answer this question here on this uh, on this live stream from Justin Yarbrough. Thank you for supporting to start goes to the NFL for a defensive line coach. If y'all could pull one guy from the Bama roster, who would y'all take drew? I think you've got some uh, uh, some good Intel, some good info on this one with some guys that uh, are, are very familiar to those who
3: are in burnt orange. Yeah, I can't say it's necessarily good intel. Other than you know, it's a personal preference. Uh, guys that I guys that I play with and guys that I root for. Um, I mean, Frank O'Cam was my my roommate in college. Um, he's been coaching for years now. He's been to Rice. He's been at Baylor. Uh, he was with Carolina with the, with the Panthers and with the Raiders for a year, and now he's at Toledo. The thing that stands out about him because I've gotten to see him develop both as an NFL coach and as a and as a college coach is the difference between the two between him for him is how much he pours into the players. The NFL is just a different world for him. So I think when he got back into the college game and, it's at, and he's at Toledo, it, this is where I think he thrives. This is where he wants to be. And everywhere that Frank has been in college, they've either tied or broken the sack record. And that's going all the way back to Rice. Um, Rice doesn't have guys get drafted. Christian Covington left Rice early uh, because of his production there. Baylor, between James Lynch and Bra- Bravion Roy, I mean, these are guys who balled under Frank. I think uh, Baylor had forty-six sacks. I think that that season, that senior season, I think half of them. That's running the three-three-five, uh, but half of those sacks were, were were three-man rushes. I mean, these are all stats that wow. that that I've I've tracked for him. <laughs> Probably a <laughs> statistician, but. Uh, he's just really taking guys who aren't five-star guys, aren't top players, and he turns them into something. And, I mean, even this year, um, I mean, their, their D-line at Toledo for him, um, it, it's – it's. I mean, he came in after the spring. So he only had fall with these guys, uh, and and they balled out this year. Um, they tied their sack record uh, there this year, and I honestly believe that Toledo will be one of the top power five groups uh, in the D-line next year if Frank does stay there. But that's a personal preference, and the thing is, Sark will have his options across the the, the country. Uh, but as far as the NFL goes, you got Roger Wright, who's who's been to a few different places. But I mean, just going through his resume, I remember when he was at Sam Houston, FCS Defensive Player of the Year, one of Rod's players, second round draft pick, P.J. Hall, East Carolina, uh, Nate Harvey was a defensive end. He was a player of the year. You know, he broke a school record in the the, the sacks. Um, I think sacks or, or TFL. So it's just one of those things when, when I look at personal guys, but also guys who have been on campus at Texas, they understand what goes into building that program. They come with a sense of pride and honestly, like Bo Davis, who's leaving um, uh, these guys would love to coach uh, at home uh, where, where they are. So um, it just, it's, these these are two guys that first popped in my head from a personal perspective, but also will be great additions for us uh, if, if either one of them choose or have an opportunity to come to Texas. But at the end of the day, uh, we know Sark has his hands in all over the country, and this is just a role that anyone uh, would be listening to, even if they're not really open to looking around right now. So it's going to be interesting how how this thing unfolds.
0: Paul, do you have thoughts on the the second part of the question and just over the the statement of retirement in general? And I am I'm, I'm gonna I I have a player in my head, and I'm really curious I'm to
4: see if you have the same answer. Oh, I hope we get it right. Uh, yeah, uh, that was a great answer, Drew. And I, th- I think before we got on here, Drew was like, hey, we're going to be fine on D-line. There's-, there's more options available than we think. And I-, I like that. So put my mind at ease. The guy that leaped to mind was Caleb Downs for Alabama. Uh, pairing him up with Derek Williams at safety would be real interesting. Uh, I-, I would like the looks of that. And uh, for Texas fans, he improved dramatically. As, as you'd expect a true freshman after he, they played us and he actually became a really good player. The other guy that I actually really like, and he just recently announced he's coming back for a fifth year there. I love Malachi Moore. I think he's a really good player back there. And if you actually watch our game against Bama, he was very impactful. Yep. And uh, he's a nickel, but I actually think, I mean, he, he could play nickel and he's a very good nickel. However, he can play multiple positions, kind of like Andrew McCuba, And that combination... Would be really interesting if you can't get a Caleb Downs. Look, the truth is Alabama's full of really talented guys, good guys. Uh, I'm sure there's a number of possible prospects that we could pull from them we'd be happy about. Those two leap to mine, uh, but I'd have them power rank Downs one and Malachi Moore number two. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're on the, uh, the Caleb Downs idea.
0: I think that was pretty unanimous <clears throat> across the board. So thank you, Justin, for that one. We got another super chat. Love you guys. Someone on the panel looks like Jane Hathaway from Beverly Hillbillies. Interesting hairstyle. Is that Drew? It must be Drew. We're taking
2: shots at Drew, man.
0: (laughs) Thank thank you for uh, your support. Uh, We got a good question here from uh, Helio Castillo. With Saban retiring, the top spot for recruiting every year is going to change. How many players will start looking at Texas with this year's performance and development of of their current roster? I, I, Eric, I think that the top spot may not change. Like it's kind of just been Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Georgia. Texas getting in there every now and then. But this does definitely change the calculus as far as uh, Bama's standing goes in that area. And obviously, Texas would like to be a a program that maintains its spot there in the top three, top four uh, in Bama's place if possible.
1: Well, this is actually the first year where I think Texas—you can make a credible pitch that Texas has a chance to uh, compete for the top spot in recruiting rankings. Uh, previously, we knew that they were going to be good, but maybe not quite at the top elite level like Georgia and Alabama have. Uh, but this certainly opens the door for Texas. I'm curious to see how quick they, they name a replacement, uh, and if that replacement is familiar with the Southeast, that Southeastern Conference. If uh, that replacement can motivate a little bit more uh, NIL uh, involvement from the. 12th man or not the 12th man. What are they called? The elephant foundation. Um, how fast can he hit the ground running? If it's a, if it's a hire, like, you know, a lot of people have said Lane Kiffin, which I think would be hilarious uh, and, and a good hire. Um, he's going to hit the ground running then faster than somebody like, you know, uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, but, you know, I think Bama still going to be Bama uh, living off their mystique from the, from their recent success, especially if they could keep that talent in the, on the roster, uh, and out of the portal. That's a big part because the, the, the 2025 class is going to want to play with talented 2024 players.
0: Justin, you mentioned trying to get Saban out of East Texas for, for a long time. Is is it the brand now, or was it Nick Saban himself who did a lot of that work up in your neck of the woods? I think it's equal parts. It's equal parts. I mean, you, Alabama, the brand,
2: that, that's the big thing, obviously. But also, I mean – Nick Saban, he's he's when he invests in you in recruitment. And, and I've only learned this in the last few years, you know, recruiting these guys. He's a great salesman. He cuts to the chase. He doesn't you know, he doesn't play around. He tells you how it is. And these kids here in the last few years just really respond to it. But I think it's equal parts. Both the brand has a lot to do with it. But I mean, Nick Saban walks into offices and people freak out. I remember 1996 or 95 in high school. We had a safety name, a linebacker named Ronnie Nix. He was the number six linebacker in, in the country. Lou Holtz came and, and came into the, the field house, and people lost it. They flipped out. And, of course, he signed with Notre Dame and starred there for, three, for four years. And so I think it's the after effect, too. I mean, it's Nick Saban. I think the thing they most are surprised with is he's a five 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 six. They don't realize how small he is. But, I mean, listen. That roster is like Eric said, if that roster keeps completed and, and it keeps, you know, keeps those guys in house, I, I think they're going to be just fine. But man, Nick Saban has been a thorn into in, in a lot of these local schools in East Texas in, in the last few years just because of he's just been he's just been coming through and, and made these guys priorities. And, and that's I think it's equal
0: parts, really. I think it's the brand. But I also think Saban is just a great salesman. Paul, I'm sending this one your way. Any chance we lose Sartre to Bama since the extension isn't complete? You and I looked at uh, betting odds from our buddy Jimmy Shapiro at BetOnline AG, and there were guys who had uh, like the Miko Ryans and even Bryant or uh, Shula uh, who had better odds than Sart. Vegas doesn't always know, but I think we've all kind of heard that this, while the, the, the ink has not dried and the, the, all the different contract words you want to put in there, there's
4: probably not a real big reason to be that worried about this with your Texas. I, I think that's probably true. I think nonetheless, his agent started cackling laughing as soon as this news hit the wire because uh, he, he might've gotten uh, an in, not inco- inconsequential amount of money to make sure that it is what we think. Look, I, I think Stark's preferences, what we know of him. He's more of an Austin guy. He's more of a West coast guy. I think more of a big city guy. He, of course, went to Alabama and was very successful there. You know, one thing to keep in mind, um, Alabama fans to this day love Sark. Absolutely love Sark. Like, so, if you know, you'll hear people on Bama boards or respected Bama people, spitball coaches, and people say, oh, Lane Kiffin. And some will be like, oh, they'll groan. And others will say, yeah, it's fine. Sark universally, everyone loves. So on their side, I think the interest and the acceptance would be significant, right? Cause this AD for Bama, let's remember, you know, Nick Saban runs Alabama. I, I understand he's got an AD. He doesn't, he doesn't answer to the AD. The AD is his assistant. So this guy is going to do a big boy hire and he's got to get the rubber stamp from all the other Obama's alum. And, and frankly, this is a tough hire, man. I mean, this is a tough act to follow. So it's going to be interesting. I think we're in a good position. I I would actually be, and I'll throw this out to the panel, I'd be more concerned if USC came open. I'd be more concerned if a really compelling NFL job came open after Sark maybe had won a national title or something at Texas. That would be my concern. I don't think he's about Tuscaloosa. I don't think he's about Baton Rouge. Uh, But I... And I, So on top of that, I'll throw out, what, do you, what are spitballing? What do you think some of the probable names? What do you think some of the realistic names are? I know what the media is saying. I think some of it's nonsense. Is it, is it Dan Lanning? Is it Is it Lane Kiffin? Is it Kalen DeBoer, if you want to go out of left field? To me, the greatest, most awesome Jim Harbaugh move of all time would <laughs> be to leave Michigan and go be the head coach at Alabama and uh, you know, walk into that press conference with the weird Harbaugh grin. Uh, just wow! The With most alienating sociopathic possible move, which would be perfect for Harbaugh. So,
0: look, well, Joe Cook. Joe I, got a little
4: I, nervous there,
0: kind of about that. Do you think they let Saban influence the next coaching hire for Bama? There you go. If I had a list, if I had, was only limited to four, I would call Lane, I'd call Sark, I'd call Landing, and I'd call DeBoer. And I think if your search gets any further than that, you're starting to dive into some problems you may not want to get into justin what'd you have i was on the phone with a, a, a high school coach who has multiple players at
2: alabama when this broke and he's actually really close to the db coach at alabama as well and he said i can promise you 100 percent nick saban is going to have an ultimate say in this decision i right. thought that was substantial It also you know and it kind of took me back to the mac the last of the mac brown yeah. stuff about you know how he was kind of wanting to help out in, in a way but not really And so I think Saban wouldn't be as petty in my opinion, but that I think that's substantial. And and here's something else, you know, about keeping those guys, Jalen Milrow was in route to Tyler Texas tonight for an award show, the Earl Campbell awards being presented tonight. Halfway through he turned around and went back. And so I think we're going to see a shockwave of after effects of things that go on in college football because of this decision. And I think Dan Lanning was a guy that was, kind of mentioned last year at this time when Saban, you know, the last few years we've had Saban talk a little bit about, you know, we've heard people say about he's going to be retiring. He's getting close. Go hang out with Miss Terry. Lanning's name's come up multiple times. He's got ties there. I think that makes some sense.
1: I think a name to watch is uh, Mike Norvell because his buyout's only $4 million, I believe. And so that's, you, you're getting get that the playoff way. in Alabama. Yeah. You're talking about Lanning's I think is 20 million. Uh, so that's <laughs> but, a, That's a huge difference. Even I can do that math. And Phil Knight. You have to add in that aspect. Real quick thought on, on, so Kalen DeBoer,
4: I think would be really interesting. Lane Kiffin and Kalen DeBoer, I'd say Kalen DeBoer a little bit more. Neither guy loves the recruiting aspect of college football. And that's an important part of Alabama. Look, Nick Saban is a tremendous X's and O's coach. He's a brilliant manager. Talk about a guy that enforces a vitality curve, right? (laughs) Nick Saban's not going to just hire one of his boys because he has some input at Bama. Like, he's staking his professional reputation, his input on this hire. That's not him he rolls, right? He's not good old boy network guy, right? So that's an important thing to know about Saban. I will also add that Mac Brown is available.
3: <laughs> uh,
4: Jim- Drew, you want to see that happen? So,
3: yeah. so, so, so is Jimbo Fisher.
4: So
2: is Jimbo Fisher, yeah.
0: Oh, man. Hey, (laughs) I
3: I, I like I like the Mike Novell, the Mike Novell thought there um, that he is. He he is when you talk about the buyout, when you talk about and this this is similar to what we've seen in other conferences. Now, FSU got left out. You know, Bama's undefeated. They're never going to get left out. Now, them going undefeated is probably a different story. But with so much in flux now with the ACC, um, why not? Right. Um, he's already proven himself at that program that he's gone in and built a program. When you come to a balance of can we get a guy that we know can build something and at least has shown a, a, a proof of of concept, that's the guy. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how you go beyond that, especially someone who's just recruited in this area in this region yeah. and that's proven to have some success. I, I, that wouldn't shock me at all to see Mike Novell. They've lost a the lot, lot also, of talent at you too,
1: so he's you know he'd be walking into a better situation for sure.
4: Yeah. I was gonna say if none of you have Googled Mike Norvell's college pictures, <laughs>
1: outstanding. <laughs> maybe you know,
2: maybe that's what, what I need Paul. to do.
1: That's not what, what I'm expecting. Throw up for. I'll just say it's not what you're expecting. No. Paul Wall. Yeah, he'd be yeah he'd be canceled today for that, but yeah, he, he looks like 2001 Paul Wall. He was a white boy um, with a grill.
0: Anybody yeah. else have any uh, parting shots on on Nick Saban before we go to a little bit more Texas-centric? Deion Sanders at
2: six to one blows my mind. I oh, want to see the action on that. That's ridiculous. Imagine the, what's the media
1: response that was fawning over Dion's uh, start to the season if he got to Alabama. Oh, oh my God. It would be nauseating. Oh, that, that's,
0: that's, that's, that's Aflac adding their influence. Oh. I want to, to say thank you to Brett Nelson. Nick Saban and Inside Texas are the GOAT. That's it. That's the message.
1: That's uh, we one.
0: got to obviously talk about LSU hiring Bo Davis away from Texas. Uh, what's next for the Longhorn defensive line, for the defensive line room? And Drew, um, kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, I, we have a question from our good old friend, uh, David Williams, if I can find it in the scroll. Uh, he asked about, um, he asked about Bo Davis's demeanor, excuse me, the guys you mentioned demeanor, Franco, Cam, Rod Wright, and if that would be something similar that they could bring into the room. I'm trying to find it. It is up there. Well, no, actually,
3: I, I read I read that comment, and I was going to respond to David directly. Uh, so th- thanks for that feedback, David. Honestly, the demeanor thing is always a question that comes up with D-line coaches. We, nev- we never ask this question about anyone else, but we assume that guys are built that way uh, or built to be or just their personalities are, are rough around the edges. Or, But that does not mean it's not effective. Um, It's different if you have a cultural challenge, which I mean, Bo Davis is famous at Texas for literally addressing a cultural issue just a few years ago. So that stands out. But when it comes to effectiveness of coaching, when it comes to developing players and engaging with players. um, There are certain coaches, there are certain people who are going to really lean heavily on the demeanor of a coach and others are going to lean on the effectiveness of connecting and being able to. How has this coach unlocked the talent of other players in the past? And frankly, we have some players right now on our campus that have just, I mean, I was thinking about uh, Vernon Broaden and and Vernon Broaden and uh, our, uh, goodness, who we have coming back? Arthur Collins. Collins. They were higher rated players than than Murphy and Sweat. They haven't been unlocked yet. (laughs) We, yeah. we got to get those guys unlocked and we got to continue to develop other guys. And so I think that's the most important next step. Um, trust me. I think the D-line coach having that demeanor is effective in any way, but I do understand if someone has that sentiment, but I just, it, it does not affect the, the overall pr- productivity of the D-line and I've just seen it in place after place with both Frank and several others uh, that, that have been in that room. It, it doesn't always have to be the guy who can't, think as a defensive line coach or a deep coordinator or or they're just so close to the ball you, you can get a guy in there who can have a more stoic or fl- flatter demeanor and still be incredibly effective and connect with the kids and, and teach them how uh, really how to play this game the right way. You know, I should probably add something here tangentially
1: to it because I was asked if uh, if Bo Davis's departure affects uh, Alfred Collins, or the potential of landing Jamari Caldwell out of the portal from U of H. And and I was told that it shouldn't affect anything with those two guys. Uh, So that's a bit of good news. And I was in Austin yesterday meeting with some sources and they were very optimistic about Alfred Collins and Broughton in their contract years, just blowing up, putting in work. Um, They feel like Alfred Collins has a whole nother gear that he's going to hit. He knows what's on the line this season. So uh, you know, Bo Davis walked into a very good situation uh, as a position coach, the best one by far on the staff. The next guy's walking into a pretty good situation too. We'll
2: Eric, always have that bus ride from Ames. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's going to be uh, – unfortunately, it'll be the thing that sticks out in Texas fans' minds. But, I mean, he's been putting together good to great defensive lines throughout his time at Texas both times. Heck, at Alabama at, at and that with the Lions just all over the country – uh, but obviously, Eric, you were asked and, and posted on the Inside Texas message boards just about the uh, Bo Davis leaving and your read on the situation. And that, hey, Bo Davis is leaving. It's it's not a, it, it's a hit, but it's not a hit that's going to leave Texas just debilitated and without any recourse.
1: Yeah, you know, because of that bus tie right, and he's and he has developed players. Well, he's kind of become a cult hero, and and they, you know, a lot of uh, fan reaction is that he's irreplaceable. And he's a good coach and he's a good hire. There's a reason he was making a million dollars as a defensive tackles coach. And he's about to make even more at, at LSU. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of good options. I mean, even Johnny Nansen has been a good defensive tackle uh, coach in the past. That would of course uh, necessitate them hiring a linebacker coach, but, and there's a lot of good ones. Clinton Hurt became available today, right? I mean, there's, you know, Freddie Roaches at Alabama. A lot of people are talking about him. Uh, it's amazing. Once there's an opening, everybody becomes a defensive tackle coach expert. I didn't know there were so many guys out there that had the lay of the land so well, but, Uh, Sark's got a lot of good options. Sark has a very extensive network to kind of make up for uh, PK's lack of network. Uh, So, I mean, look, it it was a joy covering Bo Davis and the development uh, he brought to the program. Um, You know, I think we'll always appreciate for his reaction on that bus, that night names, but – and I don't want to act like he's fungible, but, you know, he's not the only good defensive tackle coach in the country. Uh, And, you know, he recruited okay, but they can even improve recruiting. If you look at his recruiting ratings, I think the highest-rated player he landed was probably – Chris Ross, maybe, um, kind of, you know, spitball there. And then he, you uh, know, he only took Sadir Mitchell in 2023. So, uh, he's not infallible. He was very good for Texas, but Sark is going to make a good hire.
0: One of my favorite aspects was he pretty much had the same sweatshirt for the last 10 years, wore it every day, even on those, or at least every game day, even on those, uh, 120 degree days, uh, on the, on Campbell Williams field, you got a lot of questions about Freddie Roach. Um, Justin or Eric, do y'all know much about Freddie Roach aside that he's just been Nick Saban's defensive line coach regardless of coordinator for the past director uh, of
1: personnel, I believe, um, in 2016 at Alabama, when Stark was there as a, as a as, in the support staff. So they overlapped a little bit there. And then he was there in 2020 Starks last years when he came back from Ole Miss. Uh, you know, that's about all, that's about all I know. Um, he recruits well, but Alabama recruits well, and so that's it's hard to know where he he begins as a recruiter and where Alabama uh, ends. So uh, he's got a big name, and he's well known, and apparently he's well liked. I don't know much about him as far as a, a developer of talent. Uh, I don't know if he's you know if he can recruit at Alabama, he can recruit at Texas, but uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, if you're wearing that that logo that 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 Longhorn on your shirt, it's going to be a lot easier uh, to recruit at Texas, just like it's easy to recruit at Alabama. So a lot of guys could come into Texas and recruit at a high level. We should speculate wildly the fact that
2: Bo-, Bo Davis and Nick Saban both changed jobs within an hour. So Nick Saban to Texas D-line coach? He's, a, he's no. a defensive backs guy. and That's, a- He is a DBs guy, but I have a feeling he would be just fine coaching the defensive line, but you're all right. I just oh, want to speculate wildly. you could use
4: some close. more coaching the DBs.
0: Paul, Paul, you were talking a little bit, um, just about some of the, what, what Bo Davis's influence was not just on the culture for the team, but on, on the defense as well. And how throughout the course of 2021, obviously the defense wasn't great, but in 2022 and 2023, thanks to NFL caliber defensive line and some other adjustments that, uh, Bo Davis's group was able to reap a lot more benefits of their, of their athletic ability than, they were in that 5 and 7 season.
4: Yeah, that's true. Uh you guys in the chat are killing it. You're making me laugh. Uh, yeah. I think you're making Eric laugh as well. Uh yeah, yeah so oh, I look in, in in 2021, I think philosophically Bo Davis and Pete Quickowski were not on the same page. Uh kwakowski wanted to do a little bit more catching on the D line, um holding gaps, holding space, you know, catch, read, and react. And Bo Davis had some talented guys that he thought should be cut loose. And I think they reached a little bit of a an agreement on how things should go in 2022, and you saw the benefits of that, and that's progressed into 2023. So I, th- I think Bo had probably the, the greatest effect of any formally hired assistant on the staff on our defense. Uh, Gary Patterson coming in obviously had the greatest overall effect. We, we put in an entire – entirely new base coverage scheme because of Patterson. Uh, But I think the takeaway from that Joe and and panel, and I'm interested in your thoughts is that Pete Kwiatkowski benefits from having a guy in the room with some skins on the wall who will be a little pushback and maybe push Pete out of his comfort zone in in some areas, whether it's game planning or the disposition of the defense. What do you guys think?
0: I I think it's, There's some uh, credit due to Kwiatkowski for taking that pushback and saying, okay, we can go ahead and make that change and make that alteration. There's credit to Kwiatkowski for welcoming in someone like Gary Patterson, who is going to walk in with cachet among fans, among coaches, and even with Pete Kwiatkowski himself, and maybe a little bit of that Gary Patterson bravado that we know he's got and have an influence on that defense. And Pete Kwiatkowski has been welcomed to it the whole time. So I think there's – There's credit to be given there for making those adjustments. Drew, what do you think on that front?
3: I I just think the culture Sark has cultivated on this coaching staff is they're really, I'm not going to say there aren't egos, but you you certainly can't see it based on the hires and the analysts that have come into the program. Um, There's also a culture of, hey, we're going to go back and take an honest look at what we did well and what we didn't do well. And we're going to find ways to fix it. And that means, are we going to bring in another analyst to help? Are we going to bring in some support? We're going to reevaluate what's needed to take the next step. And that's whether defensively, that, that's regardless of what we, we how we performed. I trust that Sark is going to have that, that open mind and accountability. But he's also created a culture of coaches who are open-minded, who do want to improve. And so I think if he's just as open in the media, which he typically has been with us um, and just to, to everyone – about what, what improvements are needed. Um, I know he's been that way with his staff and um, yeah, whoever, whoever comes in, I think that's where that accountability part comes in. I'm not sure if PK really has an option of of whether to listen to other opinions of Sark or anyone else. It's definitely a culture of, of, Hey, we want to get better. Let's find a way to get there and take our ego out of the picture. Yeah, Sark's going to know the shortcomings of that defense,
1: especially he's going to know what he's losing in Bo Davis and he's going to know what needs to be added to the staff. I think that team arrivals mindset is good for everybody that, you know, a little bit of contention and conflict in the meetings is good. Uh, if everybody's seen it the same way, you're, 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 you're going to have some pretty significant blind spots or at least the potential for him. So uh, I'm curious to see who he, who he goes with, but I, I think it's going to be somebody he knows quite well. He's He's been around the block quite a bit. And, again, I'm not ruling out Johnny Nansen, but there's a lot of big names out there. Clinton Hurt's out there. Ed Orgeron's out there. I've seen him mentioned it a few times. Um,
3: Rod Wright, Frank O'Camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd be perfectly happy with, with Rod or Frank. Uh, you know, we talked about Frank uh, years ago when uh, he was at Baylor, I think, and um, and Rule was leaving for Carolina. So, uh, Elijah Robinson. That would be funny for the Aggie Tears. Somebody I don't know. messed that one up. I won't say you. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar
0: Giles coming back again? No. <laughs> That's one we got yep. asked about a
3: lot. You know what?
4: Right? I'll say this Oscar did a good job at Wyoming, though.
3: He did. He did. Yeah. Watched Oscar
4: that does a good job wherever he's at, usually. You, you watch that Wyoming defensive line, they played with very good technique. Uh, not super talented guys, but they were very physical, good technicians, got after it. And uh, yeah, as much as I want Frake or Rod, Ed Orgeron, man plus ed is a great coach like people forget yeah, yeah, he's a right. great just coach understanding and, and yeah, justin if you was... want recruiting in east texas ed orgeron will provide it that's we, his oh billhouse.
1: you would talk to recruits and ask him hey what's ed o telling you like i have no idea what he's telling me <laughs> <laughs> hey
4: you all i Jared know he is he shirt team. off and i got excited and i signed with texas <laughs> hey, hey Ke- keontae eric's
2: right keontae ingram told me he said, man, I talked to Ed Orgeron for 20 minutes last night. I said, man, that's cool. He, I said, what did he say? He said, all I heard was, he. I, I got offered a scholarship. I don't know what he said. What
0: he said. <laughs> to be fair, Coach O and, and Sark have have history. I mean, going back to that Pete Carroll staff and mm-hmm. uh, wasn't Coach O, and does, he didn't take over his interim after Sark got let go at USC. It was yes. Helton, Or it he was did. Coach O. It was, okay. it was okay. Yeah, and He, he was did help. well. He
1: did well. Yeah.
0: One and and remember, USC was Coach O's dream job too for someone from South Louisiana or even North Louisiana. So there
1: was, was a big push to keep him. You know, he always wins over the locker room, and those are going to be your biggest advocates now that you know, not that players always make the best decisions or anything, but um yeah, he's he did well and he, he's done well in those interim looks. One question just to kind of wrap up a little bit or put this in a pin.
0: Why doesn't Texas just rebid for Davis? This ain't eBay, there's no auction deadline. Get back in there, turn those machines back on. Randall, I mean, he was announced today after after we reported at Inside Texas that uh, he was expected to go. LSU officially announced it. So that means he either had a contract signed or a memorandum of understanding for the terms that were reported. So now he's got a $4 million buyout. So it is kind of like eBay. Uh, There are numbers (laughs) here. So uh, it doesn't
3: work exactly that way. Um, Can I say something here, Joe? Yeah, go, go ahead. Because yeah. I, I liken this to the same thing with NIO. I, I think when you're talking about programs like LSU, Bama, Texas, when you talk about premier programs that money is not going to be an option. The next dollar is usually not how these decisions are made. There's usually something more there beyond money that, that drives these decisions that, that matters both for coaching and especially with Bo, but it happens in recruiting too. Some of these kids, they're going to get the money regardless of where they go. There's usually something beyond the dollar value that, that pulls them into a certain direction. And I mean, I, I don't think Bo made this decision. Yes, it's an, another 25% in, in pay. I mean, but was that decision solely made based on the money hill game? No. Um, th- 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 those, that's not how these decisions are made. Now, not to say we would pay more, we went ahead and bid more, would they have stayed? I'm sure there, there's a dollar for everybody, but um happy for him. He, he really has brought a lot to this program um, from a cultural perspective, but I think him leaving does present some really strong opportunities for us to find ways to get better uh, so we can actually get to the quarterback against Washington and other teams in the future. So we got to figure that out. Uh, but, uh, but that's, those are two things. When people say it's about money, it really does go beyond that at programs. When you're going from an LSU to a Texas Bama and any of these kids both with kids and with the coaches
0: you know I I think that you you mentioned that in recruiting is that it's not you NIL can be something that puts it over the top like Mm -hmm. if it's you know 1 million versus 250,000 yeah there's going to be a difference but if all things are equal those relationships the ability to you know have something else like going back to your alma mater or or something something else emotional that's going to be part of what gets it over the top, so I'm with you there. It's it's not going to be uh, money. It, there's something else there, and I think the the fact that he's going back home to where he's a second team uh, all SEC defensive lineman uh, is going to be part of the the big aspect that that brings him back. Trying to see what else uh, we're going to be able to to look at. Did y'all see any comments that caught y'all's eye?
1: <laughs> a lot of them have there, there's pretty much he brett guys pretty funny in there breckenridge is overrated but he's uh he's pretty funny
4: aj with a trade in places come
2: on reference that, that that's top notch aj
4: so we, we did have some guys that look like they jumped on the live stream late because they're asking some stuff we addressed earlier what's the yeah. likelihood of sark going to bama low uh what's the who are guys that we want off the roster there's several, but we talked about Caleb Downs, the safety Malachi Moore was the guy I offered up. Some of you guys, maybe if the receivers are in play. Frankly, I wasn't blown away with Bama's receivers necessarily. I, I thought they had one
1: pretty good guy. Um, I don't know. Very interesting to see. So Isaiah Bond was rumored to be to be going in, and uh, that's I kind of caught wind of that. And then I think uh, it was I saw the rumors out there. Uh, and and I think uh, Saban caught wind and put an end to that. So without you know, maybe he goes back in. You know, Sark likes those deep threats. Uh, Amari Nyblack, the tight end, is extremely talented as a receiver. I don't know what he uh, adds a whole lot as a blocker. He's sort of Jaleel Billingsley-ish as a player, not as a not as a teammate, <laughs> not as a locker room addition. Uh, there's a lot of players. I love I love Paul mentioning Malachi Moore. You know, Malachi Moore played extremely well, as Paul said. There was a question whether or not he was even going to play. He got rolled up so bad in the middle of Tennessee State on special teams. I didn't think the guy had any chance of playing, and then he went out there and balled out. So that tells you that he's tough. And then if he could play nickel while Jade Barron's still trying to figure out what he's going to do, uh, that would be a huge addition. He can also play safety. So Malachi Moore is a surprisingly I'm, – I'm surprised Paul mentioned him, though I, no, I shouldn't be. Uh, Malachi Moore would be awesome. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see who goes in. Somebody's going in. There's going to be some guys that go in. There's yeah. no doubt about it.
0: Right, that's the thing. That now that Saban and they announced it, basically, right as we got on the show. Now that he's officially retired, stepped down. The way the rule works is they've got thirty days now to to enter the portal. So that uh, December fourth through January second transfer portal window. Uh, there, that's out the that's out the door. Uh, now they're under a new one, and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough sledding. I feel bad for the Alabama collectives right now because they're gonna have. Basically, a lot of people coming after their guys, and they're going to be working pretty hard. I know you can only feel so bad for them. I see you the thinking there.
1: Did you see the Marlon Humphrey tweet? Marlon Humphrey oh. said, I'll "Be in the portal the next day if Saban would have left while I was there." So
0: it'll be interesting. Um, Justin, gotta ask about this. Would you take Jalen Hale on this Texas roster? You know what's crazy? He had either the number five or number six most
2: snaps on offense of guys coming back for Alabama. Last year, I was reading it on one of his char- charts earlier. I didn't realize he got that much run because we didn't see him that much against Texas, and I didn't watch a lot too much of Alabama past that. Um, But yeah, you, personally, I would take Jalen Hell, But but with Ryan, if it's Jalen Hill or Ryan Williams or an Isaiah Bond, come on, guys, I'm not that deep. He's Texas. We 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 you need the best players possible. But Jalen Hell would be good. Hey, Jamari Miller, you know my feelings on that kid. That dude is a, is a stud. And that touchdown run he had against Georgia was actually a busted play. And so I, I, that would be another one. You know I like Casey Poe. I think he's going to play in the NFL for 10-plus years, and so does Alabama. And that's another kid I would jump into. But for me, you know, ride receiver, Jalen Hale, I'd like a guy a little more polished. But, hey,
1: if You're Texas – if, if, if likes him, I'm not questioning it. It has to be – my number one guy would either be defense or a stud wide receiver if, if they really like Bond. But so – the best, the best value and the best need that Texas has right now is defense. What about Caden Proctor for right tackle? I like Jamarian Miller. Jamarian like Miller would be so good. Running backs.
3: He's not. Is Jamarian Bill, uh, Miller better than Jaden Blue? No. It's not about being better. I mean, we need depth. I mean, at the end of the day, we need we need guys. We have two guys we know about,
1: but we obviously. uh I mean, need it. Sabian Red could be good next year. Trey Weisner's going to be good. I mean,
3: not those guys might not be. Too I'm, good. I'm, I'm not saying. I mean, we have a lot of guys. We assume can be good, but I'm just telling you, depth does not hurt. If you can get him, you don't say no. I
0: like this question, Kabir Hussain. read the Bama players are only allowed to transfer within the conference. USC isn't SEC until May, June. I think that may be backwards, Um, and I also think that the SEC is just going to go the way uh, that other conferences have and allow intra-conference transfers. I saw that on three's Pete Nakos – had put in a, a official request to the SEC to find out about that, um, but I mean, with just kind of look at the landscape too. There, the NCAA is becoming more and more powerless, and I and I know it's an SEC rule, but I don't feel like the SEC would want to stand their ground on something like this when the the prevailing notion and the prevailing trend in the sport is to give players the agency to what they you know do what basically whatever they want. Paul, does that kind of sound like the same thing? I know the Big 12 took down this rule or else, you know, there wouldn't have to be a bunch of players going to
4: TCU. I I thought this had been addressed, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, Hey, someone mentioned in the chat Jaheim Otis. That's a good name on the D-line, nose tackle. Hey, what what year is Tyler Booker? Sophomore, right now. I think Tyler Booker would be an amazing addition. I mean, he would start for us day one, obviously. He's a beast. Uh, he's a savage, and then he would address a significant issue on our run game as well. Hint, hint. So, um, yeah, that'd, that'd be good. Hey, with Caden Proctor, I didn't see the progression, Justin. Yeah,
2: I, I think he. You're. I think you're right. He was the same guy early that he was late, but that's just a giant
1: moat. He's not as light on his feet as I was expecting. Tyler Booker's very light on his feet.
0: Still a good – I mean, hey, maybe that Iowa offense would have gotten 22 points a game if they had had someone like him on that line helping out and uh, trying to get Brian Ferentz. Um, Trying to think of some other ones. I see a lot of questions about Freddie Roach. Kind of answered that one. We went through some uh, different comments here about him. uh,
1: Justin's East Texas Wi-Fi kicked in.
4: You know what? Actually, Justin paused it. He's going to go put on his kimono. (laughs) Take
0: him out until he – Till he comes back, Eric. You kind of touched on this. Caldwell signed yet? No, he has not signed yet. But you you had mentioned that you don't see this being a, a major detriment to Texas' efforts in in trying to land him.
1: Well, I heard they still feel good about it. Um, you know, I don't know what the holdup is on him waiting to announce. CJ Daniels is is uh, <clears throat> still in play. We are actually uh, slow playing that possibility uh, because he's asking for you know five star stud sort of uh, concessions. Uh, he prefers to go to Texas, but I think uh, he'll have to he'll have to drop his ask if uh, he wants to end up in, in burnt orange. But still feel good on uh, on Caldwell. Um, Robbie Price asked about Benda. Benda's coming back. Uh, kind of figured that one. Elijah Perez. You already talked about Frank Okum. Oh, yeah. Elijah, you're going to have to come back and rewind that. Watch that in the morning. Uh, Drew had a very good uh, section on Frank Oakham. I think uh, Drew might be Frank's agent the way he knows uh, Frank's track record. Paul, exactly. you gave uh,
0: Benda one of the most prestigious honors available to a Texas football player. He had to split it, uh, but he, he you did give him the, the Gas Camp Award along with Jet Bush. And I'm kind of curious just to know what made him a Gas Camp winner. If, if, you, if you're not familiar, I'll let you explain it. You, you're the one-man committee when it comes to the Gas Camp, and I want to hear your explanation as to why Benda was a great choice for it and could possibly... Maybe be a two-time winner.
4: Did you say one of the most prestigious awards? I mean, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Well, the Gas Camp is the most important prestigious award in college football. Uh, so, for, I mean, that—that yeah. that, first of all, the way you even preface that, we're going to have to retape this, which is going to be a whole, a whole production, Joe. I don't know what you've done, but yeah, he did split it with Jet Bush. The Gas Camp Award is an award that I've been giving. Uh, It's named after a guy named Russell Gas Camp, who was a highly recruited uh, offensive lineman out of Weatherford, Oklahoma. And Russell came to Texas, didn't play much, didn't do much until his senior year. He started at center and was actually terrific and was a big reason that Ricky Williams won the Heisman behind that good offensive line. And the Texas had that glorious run with uh, started with Mac Brown and all that. and Everything turned around. Uh, so the ward is named after guys who didn't really do a lot early in their careers. Or sometimes these guys are even like curse words like, oh, whoa, whoa, so and so's out on the field. What's he doing out there? And then by the end of their career, it's this guy that Texas fans are like, I always knew that guy was a dog. I always knew he was awesome. Thank God. Right. <laughs> uh, and so the uh, Benda, I think, fits that description. Because early in his career, I think he had some rough spots, right? Uh, Always a willing player, always athletic, never shy of contact, but not always in the right spot at the right time. You really saw his growth. I think he finished third on the team in tackles, unless I'm mistaken. And uh, that was, you know, split duty for, for good portions of the year. So I think him coming back is great. He cannot repeat as the gas camp, Joe, because his production this year prevents a repeat. That's the whole premise of the award. And the fact that you didn't understand its prominence and importance uh, tells me that you didn't understand the rule set either. So I'm going to let it slide, Joe, because I know there's a lot of pressure to host. But, Paul, yeah.
1: Paul is, there a, uh, is there a pose for the statue you can show us? Is there a what? Is there a pose? For you the know,
4: like, you've got to do uh, that. Oh, the the gas gas gas? Gas. It should be someone napping and then waking up. <laughs> kind of startled, like late in the early. The in the light bulb going on, the camp, and they're like,
1: a light, "There's a light bulb over his head."
4: Yeah, a <laughs> light bulb over somebody's head, just like, ping, and then they just ball out. Kelson not eligible for the gas camp. Too much uh, early production in his career. I,
3: I mean, I was just sitting here thinking if we were if we were to do a preseason gas camp watch list, who would even be on it? Well, the problem:
4: the portal has screwed this up. Drew. The portal
3: screwing this up, man. The
4: portal it's has true. destroyed my award. There's some prominent great names in the history of the guys camp.
0: Drew, I wanted to get to to this one from Blake. There's a couple questions we have lined up for Drew, but I like this one. Any good Corey Redding like stories of hosting someone you couldn't stand? I'm this one's a little bit too old for me. I don't even recognize this one. So I'll let you take this.
3: I, I'm not even sure what Corey Redding story is 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 being referenced here. I'll say this. Um I'm realizing I say I'll say this a lot, by the way, guys, I'm trying to work that out of my vocabulary here on these live streams. Um, I, I, I saw someone mention that. No, I, I'll say this. Um, I, I, I hosted Fozzie Whitaker, which I mean, he's yeah, he, he and I were aligned. I've known him since he was a kid. But story, story, stories. We did have there, there's a I won't say it's somebody I, I couldn't stand, um, but I have hosted someone that I was like, OK, this guy isn't a fit. He just isn't a fit and you're just trying to get through the weekend, just stopping him from smoking black and miles every two seconds. Um, so, I mean, that's uh, and, and listen, like I'm not I'm not judging it. I'm just saying, like, you're, if your focus wasn't on ball, if it wasn't on the pro, he just he just wasn't a good character fit. And I uh, just I think his influence is beyond. Um, this recruiting and football was just, it was, it was too negative. Uh, but if he would have come to Austin, cause he was, he was a recruit from North Carolina. Uh, if he would have come to Austin, I think there would have been some cultural things that could have helped him kind of integrate, but just on that visit, it just, it wasn't going to work out. But I don't, I don't have any, any, any crazy stories. I've usually, and those that are kind of crazy, I probably can't share, but. Yeah. yeah.
0: One, I, I there's always one that stands out to me from the Charlie Strong era. But, Paul, I want to hear what you're going to bring up on this one.
3: Yeah,
4: I, I talk about something completely different. Um, you realize how, uh, like, leave it to Beaver Texas was in some ways, right? In, in a good way uh, compared to other programs. But a great story before your day, Drew, when Colorado was at their height. I don't mean the Deion Sanders hype. I'm talking about the the – they, when they had the big pipeline to Houston and to California with with McCartney, and they were winning national titles, right? Uh, Colorado had a recruit that they hosted from California. And he was hosted and got beaten up and sent back uh, the next morning, got got it literally got his ass beat, and they put him on a plane and sent him back. And then the coach called him, you know, Coach McCarney called him in all upset and flustered. You, you beat up this recruit. He was a five-star from California. They, and uh, the Colorado guys said, Coach, he's a blood. We're a Crip team. You should know that. So uh, Texas, you know, hey, tough guys, great program. Drew, you played with a bunch of tough dudes. There's different types of programs, Drew, and you might have played for one where like you had to go to class and like uh, you couldn't just commit various felonies and have it covered up. Uh, things like
3: that. Listen, dude, I, I mean, we actually got drug tested. like it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like, I'd hear about other friends from other campuses, from other places. and it was eligibility and make sure you're at practice. Like it was all football. It, it really was all football. So I'm not offended by the leave it to beaver thing, but um, (laughs) I guess we want a championship, a national championship with with that leave it to beaver approach. But yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there aren't guys on the surface you'd say are dogs, but going back to my, to to my, to the guy I'm an agent for, Frank Ocamp, (laughs) dog on the field, but you meet him in person. You wouldn't, I mean, what what do you think? I mean, Kristen Jones, like you think about some of the players we have and that's probably why I'm proud of what, what SARC is putting together, I do feel um, regardless of what guys or who guys would be if they were on another campus, we have a program where when guys show up, they become the best versions of who they can be to integrate into what we have. So um, in this NIL and portal world, and mind you, we, we've obviously had had some guys who had traffic ticket violations and some other things um, early on in this portal transition issue, situation with, with SARC. But those guys have have gone. We've made those decisions and they're gone. But I think we've the way we've handled the portal and the way we've maintained our culture uh, throughout this has been pretty cool.
4: I, I want to strike the comment that I made. I was trying to be humorous. I meant to say we have a lot of good guys like you meet dudes from those teams and they're sharp. They're good guys. They handle their business. They're productive people off the field. I mean, uh, but there were other varieties of programs during the '90s uh, that that presented alternatives to that structure, wow, and Colorado man. was one
3: of them. At that time,
1: Paul, Paul, Paul was just saying, "You guys were a bunch of steel magnolias." Is all. Listen, great dude. kids, great families.
3: I, I, we, I, I will tell you, we were steel magnolias. You know, <laughs> you hear stories about LSU and Florida and some of these other schools. While we're, I'm just in nice old, sweet little Austin. Oh, nice little friendly Sixth Street. Cause I mean, that, that's really what it was. You just go stand in the street. He didn't really do anything else. It wasn't too crazy. It wasn't violent. I mean, it was, I mean, it's, it's, Austin was small then. Um, but yeah, it's, we were, we were leave it to be, Paul. I won't, I, I won't bust your chops over that cause we we were.
0: Drew, I, I think related to that point is, I don't know if y'all read Adonai Mitchell's letter in the, in the Players Tribune about, you know, his career path and going from Georgia to Texas, declaring for the NFL draft and, you know, being so proud to be a father to to his daughter and, and looking forward to the next step. But he wrote about Kirby smart and how there'd be a Kirby smart in the office who would, you know, crack jokes, ask you how you're doing. And I think the word Adonai Mitchell wrote was like, once that red riser went on, it was coach smart. And it was just, you know, he'd be, he he wrote, he'd be on field three. I was on field one and that megaphone would yell at me. And he wrote about how he came to Texas and he felt the same thing. And that's a two-time national championship program, playoff program to where he came to Texas and, and felt that, you know, coach, not only with Steve Sarkeesian, but other players, they were focused on football in a way that he felt like you know what this, this this is not too different from what I'm used to, um, so I, I think that that resonates a lot too. Like you can have you know do the Mac Brown great kids, great families, you know all star fam, but you can also have really great football players who are dedicated to it as a result. And there was another question, Drew, that that you wanted to touch on uh, from Adam Witt. Uh, you you wanted this one: how much Texas one month, how much Texas one fund monthly donation? will it take to get Ryan Williams?
3: Listen, man, I've I, I, I've seen Ryan Williams play, and, and I think he's phenomenal. Um, the first person I think about beyond Xavier Worthy is like Zachariah Branch at USC, just with that explosiveness, that slight build. But this isn't about Ryan Williams. This is a story about me, who, gosh, I played t- 2024, 20 years ago, is when I first got on campus at Texas. And now, with the portal in NIL, I, I have been adamant. I'm not paying a dime like NIL. I didn't get a dollar. I got eight hundred fifty dollars a month to, to, to pay bills and split with Big Frank, who is my roommate uh, and former future co- I mean future coach at, at Texas. Um, I mean, we're, we're putting our pennies together, 850, 850. Can we pay rent? Can we pay bills and everything else? These guys are contributing so much to this program. And I went through this season. It's like I got to experience the joy of what it takes to build a program this year. And for the first time this year, I was like, you know what? I I can't, I got to put some skin in the game. Uh, The fact that I get to enjoy this, the fact that I get to be a part of this, the fact that we get to do this, um, it's all because of those guys on the field uh, putting, putting work in. I mean, they work hard. I don't think people really understand NIL does not win games. Hard work wins games. So, um, I, I just really appreciate what these guys are doing. And I, I just say anybody who also appreciates what our guys are doing today and want to continue to find guys. Cause I'll say this, another part that was important to me was, are we going to get guys who really want it? Can you get guys representation and have them represent the university through NIL and through some of their own initiatives and still be hungry, still want to get after it, still want to go win ball games? The proof of concept is there. And so um, I'm just minimal. I'll say, I'll just say, Hey, on a, on a, on a consistent basis um, I, I have started contributing um, uh, in, in a certain fashion, but yeah, if you can contribute, cause, cause this doesn't happen. If you've enjoyed this season, it doesn't happen without, without the support of of, of this fan base and support of, of, of really those who, who, I mean, we're, we're just as we have skin in the game too. And, and this just takes it a step further. So you're, you're talking to somebody who said hell no for the longest, and, and here I am. Uh, I, I get it now.
1: You know, uh, Texas can really be the next Alabama if NIL is is there. I mean, this climate is set up perfectly for Texas. If they, you know, Texas has not maximized NIL. I'm not saying that at all, not even close. Uh, but they can with buy-in of the fans and the administration. Uh, Texas can, it's, it's basically just a, a, a battle of resources. Uh, Alabama is starting to lose that battle because NIL is an equalizer. Uh, It it brought, you know, the stuff that was behind the scenes out uh, in the transparent open, at least for the most part, or at least much more than it was before. Uh, So Texas is in position to be the dominant team as as much as you can have in a a more uh, with more parity. But Texas is positioned to dominate if uh, NIL is there.
0: And then I like this one from uh, Arched Horns. People don't realize how much these schools are asking from athletes. 80 hours a week, absolute minimum. I think that that's something that does get overblown or not overblown, overlooked. And Drew, you can, you can definitely speak to this. Like, this is a, it's almost a full-time job. Like, yeah, you're, you're taking 12 hours. Of course, you are a student athlete. You're trying to, to live up to those standards, but you're in the training room. All those stories about Jordan Whittington and how much effort he took to, to take care of his body, that requires time. You know, that requires getting there at 7am to, do all those different things. Practice is tough. It's two hours. You got to study film. You got to do treatment. Like, um, I'm wondering if maybe the fact that the time commitment, and I know they probably had a similar time commitment when you played as they do now, but if the time commitment and the, just the wide, you know, expansion of money in the sport may have changed your views on it.
3: You know, what's funny is it's, it's football is football. We didn't have a choice I tell anybody people think, Oh, Drew, you were so disciplined. You worked hard. I'm not afraid to work hard, but I had no choice. Like I had to show up at workouts. I had to be in the, so there was a certain level of accountability, just showing up. You're going to develop, you're going to get better. The hard part is it's not what you're doing in the facility. It's what you're saying no to when you're outside of the facility. It's hard to say no to that party. Um, Thursday, today's Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday night was salsa night. Um, at, 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 um, Gosh, what's the place? I mean, I'd go to salsa night. Why? Because it's Wednesday and I don't have anything to do in the off season. I got to work out at six in the morning. I can go, I can go hang out at salsa night, um, get in about 11 and still have fun for the night. Uh, Thursday night. Like there are certain times it's what you say no to, because everything you put in your body impacts the the workouts the next day, the next week, Um, every decision you make, uh, who you run with. It's learning to say no, the working out, the showing up in film and doing all that stuff is, is, is one thing, but Learning to say no when everybody around you is living their best college life, that's the hard part because you just want to jump right in with everybody else in certain cases. Uh, But um, your purpose is a little different. You just have to make sure you're locked in uh, and you have some accountability around you and some guys to to pull. Some players need to be pulled back a little more than others. But, man, uh, that's the hard part. So I I commend these guys for, for how they're committed and how they hold each other accountable because it's hard to say no and you're always gonna have some guys who they're gonna say yes and get caught. Uh it'll come out.
0: Was it Rudamaya? Is that what Elijah Perez is saying? Is that the name of the place?
3: Yeah, no, hey, no, I, no,
1: no, I no, gotta no. get going. I gotta get going as well. So all right. Was One
4: part talking about Saban as the goat. We don't have the six national championships. We know all about the record. Consider this, and it'll never be matched.
3: 37
4: no. and 13 against the AP top 10. Jeez. And I think one, I got one final point, and I'm
0: ready to end this as you all do. Drew, you talked about saying no to stuff. I think the greatness of Saban is that from 2006 to 2023, he got probably more consistently than anybody else that full locker room to say no more often than any other locker room in America. Granted, he had great talent too, but – the challenge of keeping 110, 18 to 22 to 23-year-olds motivated week in, week out for that long, the championships are a result of that. It goes that way when it comes to results, and I think that speaks to the greatness of Saban. Hey, my
2: parting shot is if Drew Brees signs, Saban doesn't come back to college. Simple as that.
3: Welcome
0: to the the butterfly effect hosted by Inside Texas. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, thank you, Paul. He's 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 in Miami, and they're winning. I hear that. Paul, already dip. Appreciate it. Drew, Eric, Justin, thank you so much for this live stream. Everybody, make sure you like this video. Subscribe to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. Make sure you head to InsideTexas.com. we got a coaching vacancy to cover. You're not going to want to miss any info there. we got a junior day coming up in 10 days. And then we've got the end of the 2024 class. And hey, spring ball be here before you know it. So guys, thank you all so much for joining. My name is Joe Cook for Inside Texas Football. We will see you next time.